All right, what's up, everyone? It's Friday, November 15th. You guys listen to the Dub Jelson podcast. Uh, today, I got my new tech guy with me. He's going to be helping me with the podcast from now on. David Perotto, one of my brothers. What's up, man? How are you? Doing good, Dub. Uh, thanks for letting me join the podcast. And I'm looking forward to making some good shows with you in the future here. For sure, man. I'm, a, I'm super excited. Um, everything's going to sound a lot better from now on. The first five I released, um, the audio was kind of spotty. And that was because the microphones weren't linked to the to the computer, right? So we got some parts and we fixed that. So hopefully everything will sound a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm learning as well, just like you are. But I think as we continue to release more and more shows, each one will sound better progressively. And uh, David's also going to help me do some other things um, in regards to the podcast. We're going to get a website up and going and we're going to put um, written blogs on there. So if you want to write about anything from sports to music, movies, anything like that, just let me know. You can have a spot on there. Um, and then won't be won't be uh, in the near future, but in the future, we're going to start doing a video recording of the podcast to put on YouTube. So you guys don't have to sit there and just look at a, a picture the whole time. And then also... The podcast is not on SoundCloud anymore. It's going to be up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then um, YouTube still. So all that's changing. Um, it's a lot cheaper. And it was well worth it, honestly. Yeah, I'd say so. You get a lot more, uh, a lot more platforms for around the same money, or even a little less than SoundCloud. I think that most people would rather listen to it on Spotify or Google Podcasts, yeah, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Spot or uh, SoundCloud's a big waste of money. Don't put your stuff on there if you're listening and want to make a podcast. It's like sixteen bucks a month. It's stupid. All those, um, all those different avenues I'm putting it on now. It's like ten bucks a month, so it's well worth it. Uh, so Perota, tell everyone, everyone like where you're from, major and all that kind of stuff. Just sure. So um, I'm David Perota. Born and raised in State College, Pennsylvania, which uh, for those of you, some of you probably know, that is the town where Penn State University is. And so uh, my mom was a Penn State graduate and my dad is actually a West Virginia graduate, but they decided to live in State College and start the family there. Um, at the end of uh, my high school career, I decided that I no longer wanted to stay in State College. It was time <laughs> for me to branch out. So um, I was looking for an engineering program and I ended up coming out to Purdue, visiting. Um, I loved the campus. Knew right away I, I was one of my top choices. Ended up getting accepted in a couple months later. Came back to visit a second time and I was still in love. So I decided that I'd make Purdue my home for the next four years. And uh, I'm currently studying electrical engineering. And um, I do some software work during the summer. Um, I've been working for a company back home for last summer, and uh, this summer I just accepted a, a new internship for Allison Transmission in Indy. So I'll be in Indiana Let's all go, year. Let's <laughs> go, baby. Let's go. Super excited. Congrats on that. Thanks, um, man. So why didn't you want to stay at or go to Penn State? Like, what was the main reason? You just wanted to get out of the state? Yeah, that was the main reason. So, I mean, Penn State's a, an awesome school. And if I wasn't from State College, I definitely would have loved to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother actually went there. He's five years older than me. So he was um, he was an undergrad when I was in high school. And he had just a, an amazing time there. He had a lot of fun, made a lot of friends, new friends too. But um, I just decided that it would that was the easiest route for me would have been mm -hmm. to go to Penn State. It's rather easy to get into Penn State main campus if you go to my high school, you know, comparatively to yeah. 
Uh, if you don't live there, it's yeah. very challenging to get in. But um, I thought that it'd be a better challenge for me to come out here where literally no one from my high school went and just make all new friends, start fresh, and just kind of get a whole new shot at things. So that's what I decided to do. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that. I actually wanted to go to Pin or uh, West Virginia. I thought that would have been dope. West Virginia but, would have uh, been a ton of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got accepted, but it, it was like way too much money, so I ended up not going. Because um, I didn't think I was going to get in here. So my grades really weren't that good. And I applied um, for education to get in easier because they mm -hmm. accept more education kids. And then I tried to change my major, but first semester I kind of screwed up. So <laughs> I was there for that. I remember <laughs> there, but everything happens for a reason. And I found uh, podcasting. Now I'm doing mass, mass communications. I just transferred schools. So, uh, Oh, you did. You're finally, you're in yeah. mass calm for real. Mm -hmm. Congrats, man. I think that that's a great avenue for you. Cause I know yeah. that you get a bit of writing experience. You get some recording experience. I think that's, that's going to be right down your alley. I wish you the best. Thanks. It's like everything. I was looking down because I had no, I still had no clue what I wanted to do with my life like a week ago. Cause I wasn't sure if I want to do this. And then I looked through everything and I was think I just thought it through and I was like, yeah, I have to do this. Cause I don't know. It's, I've never been as passionate about something than this really, which is weird for me. Well, that's a good sign. I mean, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, if you're going to pick something to do for the rest of your life, it might as well be something that you're passionate about. So, yeah. So Barstool, if you're looking for people, me and Pro to want to come on, have our own Barstool Purdue show. I'm going to send this to them. Hopefully they'll accept us, but uh, that'd be dope if we could do that. But um, so obviously at Purdue, um, Greek life's a big, a big thing. And there's been a lot of backlash towards IFC from houses all over the, the, um, the campus. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't realize how big Greek life really was at Purdue. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't actually intend to rush when I came here. I knew Greek life from Penn State a little bit, but my brother wasn't in Greek life. He was actually a club volleyball player. So everything he did was through club volleyball. He never yeah. he never felt the need to join a fraternity. Um, neither of my parents was in Greek life. So it's really not something that I had a lot of knowledge about or exposure to as a kid. And coming here, I just kind of assumed that, oh, it's like really not that big of a deal. Like, I feel like, you know, being a Jeed would be fine. <laughs> Looking back, I definitely think I made the right decision to, yeah, for to sure. join a house, especially Purdue. It seems like it's a pretty uh, integrated part to the society mm -hmm. here. Um, as far as how I became a Pike, that's actually a, a bit of a, a wild story. So we have something here at Purdue called BGR Week, which is basically our freshman orientation. And there is a girl named Peyton Garrett in my group that uh, I became friends with. And one night we were looking for a place to drink that wasn't our dorm rooms because, you know, RA, RAs and all that. And she said, oh, I know this kid. I met him um, on Instagram. So I don't know exactly sure how she and Spencer met. But she says, I know this kid named Spencer and he has an apartment off campus. We can go there. So I ended up going to this apartment and becoming great friends with this kid, Spencer Payro. <laughs> and, uh, and from that, another just wild link, he ended up knowing an older brother here at Pike, Will Weisbrod, and they met again through Instagram somehow. I think, uh, and from that, he ended up getting us, getting us uh, a look at Pike. And I remember still thinking like, oh, like I'll go, I'll rush. Like I'll go with them. I'll rush. I'll see what it's like, but I don't think I'm actually going to sign a bid, mm -hmm. you know? And I ended up here. I am <laughs> signed a bid and, uh, 
honestly, one of the one of the quickest decisions I've ever made, you know, rush is the second week of school. But looking back on it, I'm really glad that I did decide to rush. I think I would have regretted that first semester if I didn't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My like when I was a senior in high school, uh, my cousin McGuire Plummer, he's not in the chapter anymore, but he he was a pike. Um, he was all he was in my ear all the time. Every time I saw him was you're going to rush pike. You're going to be a pike. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, uh, like, third day we were here, third day of BGR, that's when he moved in. So I came here to uh, Pike and got to meet all the guys, and I I was like, yeah, I like these guys. Yeah. Because they I all. Remember, uh, I was here one night during BGR week, too. I forget. I met a couple of guys. I remember uh, Tommy Jasek asked me who I knew there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, classic, classic frat move there. Ended up becoming, you know brothers with them that's kind of wild not something i expected that that first night i showed up there it was a it was wild mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't really see myself like ending up here and now here i am living in that place that was i was exposed to that first week i don't know i liked i think going through rush and um new member education and all that stuff really helped that mcguire was here that a, a familiar face mm-hmm. and then there's also a couple other guys from noblesville it's my hometown jake seifried and colin kincaid so I knew them. Um, obviously, I know McGuire very well. So they kind of helped me just calm down because I, I was actually very nervous coming here. I've never like really been away from home. Mm-hmm. Like my mom wouldn't let me spend the night places and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's super She's different. really I controlling. Mean, like, I don't think there's ever really like a more of a dynamic jump in your life than the, the, the day you move away from your family home to go to college. So, yeah, it can definitely be, be a huge jump. So it'd be a lot harder for you because my I live like an hour away from here. Yeah, I was ready to go though. I was really I was excited. I think you know like it was tough, of course. You know, saying goodbye to my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was excited to start a new chapter because I really felt like I was opening a door for myself, bettering myself by coming here. Which I, looking back on, I think I made an yeah. excellent decision to, <laughs> to not stay at home. Yeah, for sure. So getting back to what we were talking about before we got on that little tangent, talking about IFC. Um, I don't know if other schools follow that. I think everywhere has IFC for the most part. I don't know if IU, I might, IU might, but I asked someone from there that's in a house and they had no clue what it was. I know Penn State has IFC. I don't know about everywhere though. I'm not exactly sure. You know, I think it's like a per university thing. Yeah, probably. I'm sure people have their own different versions of it. But at Purdue here, we've had a lot of issues with IFC. Um, I, we were looking at the... Um, the public what's the word for that where it shows how many oh yeah we found we found the website we're on let's take a look Um, at that right now actually it was called um student organizational disciplinary status for purdue and i don't need like there's too many names of organizations on here for me to even count quickly right now uh we're on there um (laughs) men's lacrosse i see men's baseball a lot of fraternities are club Club. Yeah, men's yeah, oh, men's club. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of fraternities I recognize on here. A couple of sororities I recognize. Yeah, there's a shocking amount under some sort of disciplinary action right now. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I don't know how much of that is on IFC's shoulders or on Greek life, the Greek life community's shoulders, because I feel like. IFC puts in so many different rules and they're so strict with them that it really does. Like you could do something very small and get a very large punishment. It seems like 
as you know, different waves of IFC presidents or the people on the boards wave in and out, things change drastically. Like mm-hmm. I know um, the most recent you know, election of IFC members brought upon us the enforcement of BYOB here at Purdue. And so BYOB has been basically a rule at Purdue for forever, and it had to do with insurance companies, I think. Mm-hmm. I want to say that the the insurance for you know fraternities had in the clause that BYOB was required to be followed for any social event, and that you know I guess lowered the cost of it mm-hmm. in, in the insurance company's eyes. It wasn't as liable to the fraternity if they did BYOB, but for years and years that wasn't enforced. Yeah, and now they chose to enforce it, and that change was brought upon rather harshly, and of course they wanted you know like you know enforce this brand new concept that people have never had to deal with before there's going to be problems and i think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the uh a lot of these organizations started to run into trouble was kind of adapting this brand new thing that they've never had to deal with before well um you can i mean i understand ifc's perspective with like all the kids dying in greek life houses yeah, it's horrible it's, uh, you know, it's like unacceptable the, the one at penn state and then just recently, there was one at, I believe it was Washington or Washington State. He died. And then another one at um, San Diego State. They both died. Yeah, and there so, was I also mean, another uh, a 17-year-old this year died at a at a, another Penn State fraternity. Uh, he was actually a high schooler, I think. He wasn't a member, but he mm-hmm. ended up, I think it was cardiac arrest. And he, that he died from, yeah, at a satellite house. But back to um, like the insurance companies, fraternity houses are the second most expensive um, structures or however you want to say it, things to um, insure behind nuclear power plants. <laughs> which is Matt, Matt Foles came and told us that. Yeah, and I, I was like, that fact. I was like, you're so full of it, but it's true. And that's insane. That's that crazy. It takes that much. So I think, yeah, I agree with you that. That's why BYOB is in place to try to take um, not ownership, but put more live, put less liabilities on the houses and more accountability towards the individual students, which I think that we don't do enough of here. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just going to bring that up. You say that, like, you know, like this should be BYOB clearly is meant to put responsibility on individuals who bring their own drinks Mm -hmm. but then again um how many times have you seen an organization get in trouble for um, alcohol related offenses based on an individual getting in trouble Mm -hmm. or at minimum maybe it's both but i've never seen byob use as an excuse to get a house from being in trouble at least at least i haven't has it happened probably it probably Mm -hmm. has but from my experience, just what we've been through and what I've seen and what I've heard, um, I haven't seen BYOB used as this, oh, no, actually, it was this guy. He brought his drinks. He drank them. That's on him. No, he drank them here. He was underage. Somebody else got him his own drinks to bring, but he drank them here. So this organization is at fault. Seems to be the trend that we're going on. I could be wrong on that, but that's just what I've been observing and hearing. And that kind of defeats the whole purpose of saying BYOB is to, you know, take a liability away from the fraternity. I think that the whole, you know, culture of treating anything that goes wrong within a house as an organizational problem is a blessing and a curse. You know, it keeps the mm-hmm. police away and it makes it strictly a university problem to deal with. 
But then again, any single little thing that one person does now affects, you know, anywhere mm-hmm. from 60 people in a small fraternity to over 100. We have, what, 110 130. Active, 130. 130 active. With the new and members. And we're not even we're not even the biggest. So, mm-hmm. you know, one person can really make a huge impact on a lot of people's way of life. And uh, I know we had a fraternity get kicked off at the end of last year. You know, now all those people got to find a new place to live. You know, they were probably planning on living there. Yep. All the sophomores are like, yeah, I'm probably going to be living here for my junior year. Now they all have to go scramble, find apartments, sublet, do whatever they can to make sure they have a place to live next semester. And it really sucks because some of that stuff for um, houses, it's way out of their control. Because you could be following BYOB. You could be following all the rules. And someone drinks way too much before they even get to your function. They drink how many ever drinks they have at um, your function, which is controlled under BYOB to not let people get that intoxicated. And then they pass out. They need to go to the hospital. And then your house is at fault for mm-hmm. that person's mistakes. That person gets a damn. Um, they have to go watch some videos and take a class. Yeah, watch some videos alcohol. about fucking drinking alcohol instead of going to jail for the night. Maybe that would be better. But yeah, you can't I mean, keep blaming the an entire house for one person's decisions. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, they are doing it. So it's mm-hmm. now, I mean, we don't really have a choice but to step up and have to, we have to be incredibly vigilant about who we allow to enter here, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't be inviting over people that are already hammered. It's yeah. just not worth the risk to us at this point. Yeah. Which is almost impossible to, to manage on a party night, you know? You have a list. Who knows what all of these people are doing before they come here and you can't possibly yeah. we're gonna do like breathalyze everybody. Yeah. I mean I agree. It's tough, it's really challenging, and it's something that is there's no real like cut and dry black and white solution to defend against somebody coming here heavily intoxicated and blacking out or throwing up or you know, all it takes is somebody who lives in a dorm to go home and throw up in the bathroom if they're you know, heard throwing up in the bathroom, the RA was required to call like medical assistance to them, mm-hmm. which comes with the police. Yep. Um, well, I think because I, I mean, it's hard to say without because we're so close in here. Mm-hmm. So we really only hear our side of the story. We really don't hear IFC's side. Yeah. I mean, so maybe I'm planning on asking Brandon Cutler, the um, president of the IFC, to come on. Um, he's not a president of the IFC. The IFC is all student run, so it's we, all yeah, elected yeah. Uh, student. But he does oversee IFC. Yeah, yeah so he's he's still the guy that you want to talk to, but he's mm-hmm. not the president. Yeah, talk to him, see what he has to say. I'd, a lot of people don't like him, but I mean, I want to give him a chance. I want to hear him talk. So hopefully he'll be able to come on um, in the future. But I think people that aren't in Greek life don't understand like how important it is for individuals like in Greek life brothers and sisters for sororities because my parents weren't in um were in a frat or sorority either and they're super against it because they just don't they think it's all oh partying and all this stuff but no like we actually have grade requirements um what else do we have bro you're on exec uh, I mean, as far as like regulations, community, like community, community, service. community service, we do stuff, community Campus outreach, involvement, philanthropies, we raise money for all kinds mm-hmm. of things. You know? People There's don't lot, talk about the philanthropies. Yeah, yeah, they don't really. I mean, 
there's a definitely a lot more than meets the eye and it's more than I ever knew. You know, mm -hmm. I had no idea what all went into this and I've learned a lot since being here for sure. And I have a completely different outlook on it uh, after I've been in a fraternity for what, about a year and a half at this point than I did when I was growing up with fraternities around me. And I was only reading what was on the news or what was mm -hmm. in the paper, which usually was people falling off of balconies and getting injured. Or I remember one time at Penn state, there was a, uh, it was on the news. Somebody mixed like ammonia and bleach in their house and it had to be evacuated and hazmat <laughs> had to come in and get all the chlorine gas out of there. But other than that, I never heard anything. Oh, that's actually not true. You know what? I will give the news credit for, um, for giving um, fraternities and sororities credit for raising money for Thon at Penn State, which is, you know, the largest student run dance marathon for cancer uh -oh. for, uh, you know, for Diamonds Fund and all that. So they did, they did give them credit for that. Um, but other than that, you never heard about like individual philanthropies that mm -hmm. almost every single fraternity and sorority has. I didn't, well, to be fair, like I didn't know about that either until I got here. Mm -hmm. It's definitely under the radar, I'd say. But like that's what we're working toward. Everything that we do to make money, it all goes to that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go to anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And also, um, people downplay how important it is. To have brothers around you. Super important. Man. I feel 100% confident if I had an issue with anything, I could go to, I could knock on any door, I could walk right in and tell them my problems and they'd drop everything and help me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty unique situation to live in a place where you have, you know, 60 people that, you know, you're probably close, like close with 40 of them, which is just mm -hmm. a crazy high number of people to be close with people that are will like involve themselves in your life very actively if you if you ask them to. And I feel like that's kind of an experience that you're never really gonna be able to get again outside of this house. Because when are you ever going to have that many close people living in such tight quarters, mm -hmm. smashed together from the army or military? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I don't know. And also another thing is alumni. Yeah, lots so like of support for from that. For, for example, like when we have alumni day, you sit there and you talk to someone, you're in engineering, They're, they were for an engineering firm, you can get a job like that mm -hmm. or an internship even, uh, or whatever. Even younger alumni, people that have just been recently hired, if uh, if something comes up in their company where, you know, usually it's like, oh, you'll get a bonus if you refer somebody and we hire them. So they'll put out like, hey, um, somebody just did it two days ago. Somebody said, uh, I forget who they were for, anybody in the indie area that's looking for an internship over the summer, DM me and we'll see what we can do. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm, Spencer reached out to them. Um, and I think a couple other people showed interest as well. So it's just things like that. It's just constant support from people in the house at the time and people who were in the house at, at a prior time. Yeah. We'll talk about Spencer. He's, he's going through some stuff with his advisor that his advisor was basically negligent. Yeah, I'm not going to get into specifics. It's a pretty screwed but, up story. Yeah. Um, that also happened with me. A little bit. I, for a brief moment, I had my uh, financial aid taken away because my academic advisor didn't tell me everything that I needed to know, and I almost couldn't come back. I think that's a. I think that's a big issue here at Purdue, because I've heard a bunch of people um, complain about their academic advisors. Yeah, it seems like you know we pay so much to be here, and it's just, at the end of the day, there is like you know a statement somewhere that you are responsible for your own schedule, but. It is so incredibly helpful to have somebody that really knows what they're doing and has yeah. seen people go through the exact way you're going through, you know, and just give you advice based on what they've seen. 
Mm-hmm. I think that that is not somewhere where a university can afford to be weak. I think that it's really important to have strong academic advising at a, at a university because, you know, college is crazy. People change majors. People don't really know what they want to do and they need to, you know, formulate some sort of plan to push them in a direction they want to go. There's a lot of variables here and, you know, you only have control over so many of them. Mm-hmm. So, let me you know, the more help you can get from somebody who has like a rock solid plan for you, you know, the better you just feel being here, let alone the more success you'll have. And I mean, I haven't had too much of an issue with academic advising, but then again, I haven't gotten too much help from them. It's more of like uh, my degree plan set out and I've had more of a problem scheduling my classes. I had to go on a wait list for three out of the five classes I was taking next semester. That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, and then these aren't, these aren't like weird electives. These are mm-hmm. the classes that I need to take to graduate to get my degree. Yeah. And um, I think there was just conflicts. So I had to go on a wait list and they ended up adding more space to, you know, different labs, different lectures so that it just was possible to have a schedule without conflicts. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm waiting for my final wait request to come in so I can take my Python class because it conflicted with the lab for uh 270, which is digital systems designs. So I ended up with what a really crappy schedule. I had I have three 730s, Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday. I have a 730, <laughs> and I also have on each of those days a 430, which is just you couldn't That's, ask for anything yeah, worse because then you have to wake up, you're exhausted for the rest of the day, and then you have to go to class at dinner time. Yeah. So that's somewhere else I'd like to see a little more work. I mean, there's a lot of things. I think. I mean, it's not a popular opinion, but I think college is getting to be a very big scam because there's I mean, for a lot of people, you need college to do whatever you want, like to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. You might need some. But like we were talking about this the other day, like you could go work for an engineering firm. And you'd be fine if they hired me, you know, yeah, if they were willing to fine. if they were willing to hire somebody without a degree. Uh, I think that college is less of a. A place to learn actual, you know, facts and material. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a proof of concept and it shows that you are able to problem solve and you are able to dedicate yourself to this, you know, long process and come out and they give you a score one through four of how dedicated you are, not, yeah. you know, how smart you are. I wouldn't say it's more just like how focused were you during those four years and how much did you like really just grind it out when you had to grind it out. And I think that, you know, I'm going to come away with definitely knowledge, definitely ways to approach problems I didn't have before college. Like, I'm definitely learning things here. Mm -hmm. But um, especially with something like electrical engineering, where it's a very broad degree, I'm going to be doing a ton of learning on the job. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be having to get trained to do something very specific that I definitely didn't do during college, I would Mm -hmm. say, which is part of the, you know, that's, that's part of the fun, learning something specific at a job. But for me, I've always seen college as less of a, you know, learning experience, like I said, more of like a, a proof of problem solving and showing that you're able to get through it, you know, showing that you have the dedication necessary to, to push yourself to the limit. Um, well, I've, I've obviously learned a lot from just a year and a half of being in school as well. Um, with my first semester, I didn't time manage at all. I would go out and party all the time. Um, wouldn't do my homework sometimes <laughs> uh, wouldn't, wouldn't study as much as I really needed to and it reflected in my GPA um, but I mean going through that I feel like I can go through basically any problems that may arise from now on um, yeah you did a complete 180 for sure yeah 
And it was just like, it was all a mindset thing. It's yeah, not like you magically sure. got like your IQ went up like 15, 20 points. No, it's just, it's strictly a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. It's really just a, okay. Um, you have to know, I guess limits would be, would be the word I use. You have to know like what you have to make yourself do, you know, what you have, what goals you have to set and be like, no, I can't go out until I do this because if I go out before it's not getting done. And yeah. like, this is this percentage of this class. And if I miss this, I'm going, I can't get it in. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have to kind of know that and you have to really know yourself. You have to really learn about like the way that you work and the things that you're able to do and give yourself the appropriate time to get things done. It's all about motivation at the end of the day, you know, because if you're not motivated, you're not going to make it in anything. So I teach, oh, I think college teaches you about motivation more than anything. I'd agree with that. Because mm-hmm. this this has a this podcast has also helped me with motivation because I wasn't motivated about hardly anything mm-hmm. before this. I cared about baseball and sports and playing video games and all that crap. But oh. now, I mean, I'm immersed in this. I have all my grades in order, and it's real. I mean, honestly, college like when you're in high school, when your teachers are talking to you about college. They're like, they don't mess around. They're not going to do all this crap. But like college professors, for the most part, are more laid back than high school teachers. True. And then, oh, yeah, I mean, 100% true. The argument's always brought up that, well, people aren't paying to be in high school if they go to a public high school mm-hmm. or they're, you know, their parents are paying taxes. But they're not directly paying a huge sum of money to just go to the school. So I guess... Teachers have to have like a certain level of discipline implemented into the way that they conduct things. But I mean, high school is definitely the time management is almost done for you in high school. And then you come to college, you're like, well, I have an entire day Mm -hmm. and I have less classes than I ever had in a day of high school. So like, holy shit, like I have a bunch of free time. I'm going to go like party. I'm going to go play a bunch of video games. Like I have literally all day to do what I need to do. But, you know, and then that shit creeps up on you. It's like, oh, my God, where all that time go? So I think time management's huge in college. So with you being from um, State College in Pennsylvania, what do you think is like the biggest differences between living on the East Coast compared to like Midwest, which is Purdue and Indiana in general? You know, if anyone out here in the in Indiana asks me, I'm always be like, oh, I'm an East Coast guy. But really, Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, State College is very hard the east coast the town itself is surrounded by cornfields if you drive almost like 30 minutes in any direction you're going to be in a cornfield or driving up a mountain so like indiana so like, <laughs> like indiana but with mountains at least we have some mountains and yeah, way way more fun those. roads to drive on all your mm-hmm. roads are super straight and boring <laughs> um, but no i mean some of the east coast stereotypes are definitely true i'd say it's definitely more true for like the jersey people that are here at purdue oh, Jesus, they're definitely yes. more more east coast stereotypical than maybe somebody like me from the middle of pennsylvania mm-hmm. but i would say that people are generally they really are kinder out here i would i would say that i spend more time like saying hello to strangers or you know like talking to just random people than i ever would mm-hmm. back home um that said, I would say that, you know, as, as far as culture between like Penn State and Purdue, I would say that Penn State is definitely more rowdy. You know, yeah. there's more there's more things that you can do just by walking out outside and walking down the street. You know, there's people just partying everywhere mm-hmm. for, for the most part, you know, on weekends and such. 
more bars. But out here, it's more like you have to go looking yeah. for distractions or looking for fun. Whereas, uh, you know, at Penn State, it kind of finds you. Mm -hmm. I would say that's more of a more of a culture difference. Um, well, we have, I don't know if you've heard about it, Turkey Run or Brown County State Parks. You ever heard of those? I've heard of a turkey run, but not that one in particular. Can you tell me more about it? It's like, I mean, it's a campground, but they have all these trails and um, it's like these big, uh, I don't even know what the fuck they're called. It's like these big rocks and there's just like an open area in between them. And you just walk through them and you walk trails and walk hills and stuff. We need to, we need to go there as like a PC or something. Turkey walk? like Turkey run. Turkey run. Turkey so run it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving? No, 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 no. Yeah, See, every, every turkey run I've ever heard of has to do with like a turkey run 5K for, for Thanksgiving. Turkey run state park. It is. While you're looking that up, I will say that I saw the most beautiful part of Indiana I've seen so far uh, last what, weekend. Noblesville? No, <laughs> um, I was in Fishers and we went to some state park. I forget what it was called. It was close to Fishers. Some state park, you needed a pass to get in. And there was like, a, you know, there's woods there for you to hike in. And then there's a paved like circular path. And, uh, you know, like you could bike or like walk dogs. I don't know, but that was like the only place in Indiana I've really been like in the wilderness. You know, mm -hmm. usually I just drive through towns and such and on the highways and interstates to get here. But actually, it's like it was kind of pretty. Was it Straw Town or White River? Uh, I can't remember. I know it was like it was about a 15 minute drive from Fishers. I think it. I'm trying to look at the map to see which one I think it would be. Um, if I had to guess, it'd be one of those. It probably was. I think it. Yeah, it was probably one of those. But we do have some cool stuff. But down. I think Turkey runs down south or more southern. But like don't think I've ever been south of Indianapolis. Yeah, it's like that. Oh wow. That's kind of cool. It's like all those and then a bunch of hills and, and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, so Indiana is pretty. You just have to go yeah, away from the, the right interstates. Spots. We'll go <laughs> we'll, hey, we'll go this summer when you're All right. Y'all be in India all summer. But uh yeah. So, with you being from Pennsylvania, what do you think about my boy Miles Garrett last night? <laughs> he clocked Mason Rudolph. I've, I mean, you know, watching the video, clearly Mason Rudolph was yeah was egging that on. Um, did he deserve to get hit in the head with his own helmet? Absolutely Probably not. not. But it was, mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was pretty brutal. Um, yeah. Pouncey stepped in there for his boy and uh, kicked a. Kicked Miles in the head a couple times, but he got suspended. Yeah, he got suspended. I think what three games? Three games, and Miles is out for the year. That's what they say. They years. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's bad. Years a long time, yeah. and playoffs. I don't know exactly what I think would be fair for that. He did hit him on the head with the helmet. Those things are not. Exactly, he could have killed him. Yeah, if that, he hit that's him a pretty in just the right spot. That's a pretty like hard object to be swinging at somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, definitely not good. Definitely needs some suspension. But you know, honestly, maybe a year is right. Now that I think about it. I mean, I support it. I right when it happened, I was like, "He's out for the year." He's yeah, done. that's no good. But people were trying to make the argument that Mason Randolph, Mason Rudolph was, um, that he started it, but it was actually Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, he let go of the ball and they slammed him down. Right. Yeah. No. 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 It was definitely like a, a bit of a late tackle, I'd say. Like yeah. It was, and then Mason Mason Rudolph was trying to pull his helmet, on his helmet. And then he took. And then Miles, Miles Garrett just said, took, "Yeah, yeah little I'll boy, take your helmet off. Come here." Goes, no, but you're right though. Yeah, I guess like 
Yeah, um, he he did like pull off his helmet first, mm-hmm. but or try to pull off Miles Garrett's helmet first. But yeah, you're right. He did get taken down. It was nuts. He did I've get never taken seen down anything. Like no, that. that was wild. Anyways, pretty disappointed the Steelers lost. Uh, I mean, our defense been playing better. Offense mm-hmm. still a little shaky, but we're gonna we're gonna get to see old Duck next week. Who? Duck Hodge is our third string. Oh Jesus! Christ. I was at the uh, I was at the Ravens game when he played uh, when uh, Rudolph went out with the concussion the first time, and we got to see Duck play. I was honestly pretty impressed. He's playing. Is Rudolph out? I don't know. He got clocked in the head, but probably not. I mean, he's I probably he's he probably going to be in again. Well, he did have that back concussion, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like know. if you had a if you had a concussion and you get clocked again in the helmet, I don't know if he'll be back on the protocol or not. He probably seemed good. fine right after, like he tossed his hands up, like he mm. didn't hurt, which I'm sure it did. But yeah. um, I, know, I guess we'll I guess we'll stay. The coaching staff has been pretty adamant that no, Rudolph's our quarterback, but we'll see. I like Duck Hodges. <laughs> yeah, I was rooting for him when he came in. Um, he and did, the, did he start one or two games? Two, I think. I think two. I don't know. I was there when he when he for the Ravens game, and he. The worst thing I saw him do was throw up. He threw up this big lollipop pass right in the middle of the play, <laughs> uh, right right in the middle of the field. Like, yeah, welcome to NFL. You can't be yeah. you can't be tossing up balls like that anymore. But other than that, I mean, he seemed like he knew what he was doing for a certain mm-hmm. extent. Made some good throws. You know, we ended up losing on a field goal, which sucked, but. I was impressed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, big thing right now at Purdue is how bad our football team is. Um, what are we now? Four and six? I don't even know at this point, to be totally honest with you. I think it's we disappointing. need to. We need to <laughs> not go to a bowl. <laughs> we need. Well, we have a chance. We need to beat oh, Wisconsin. Yeah, if we went out, we go to a which bowl. We're not going to beat Wisconsin. And then we have to beat IU, which I think we can. That's over Cinewar Thanksgiving break, right? Yeah. That's pretty disappointing that they. Uh, they put the IU game, which is clearly our, you know, the game that most of the well, students would what, show up to, and they put it over Thanksgiving. They always do that though, because it's like rivalry week. So like, Michigan and Ohio State play that mm-hmm. day. Who's Penn State's rival? I mean, I guess In you could say game. Ohio State. You know, that's usually I, I, that was where the biggest whiteout games were the Ohio State night games. The one yeah. where they won was crazy. And then Michigan's always a good game. Michigan State can be a good game depending on the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we just have way too many injuries this year, with arguably our best five players out. Yeah, we're super beat up. But I'm telling you what, Dub, we got some decent freshmen. I'd say, I think that I think that when we're seniors, we're gonna have a good football team and a good basketball team for sure. What about next year for basketball? What do you think? I think we have a chance to win the chip next year. Mm-hmm. So who do you think have... we could possibly lose early? If someone was no, going to leave early, no, you don't think anyone will leave early? No chance. I don't think so. Either. Harms maybe, but I don't. Think I don't so. think he should. I think I think he should stay. Painter's going to be like, you need to get your ass back here. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this season right now? I mean, we're one and two. It's kind of frustrating because I feel like Texas and Marquette were both very winnable games. Yeah, super close but, games both them too. Yeah, but I mean. Purdue the last like five years has been notorious for early season struggles. We're trying to find ourselves after losing Carson, which is hard because we don't have that go-to score that can create their own shot. I mean, we have Harms. We have um, Jihad Proctor, who's pretty damn good. Um, Eric Hunter's taking a big step up. Aaron Wheeler hasn't hasn't shot the ball particularly well so far, but I mean – we have a lot of experience outside of scoring. 
So yeah, I, I mean, I feel like scoring, scoring is going to come, I think. Yeah. You know, someone's – I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I feel like a, one or two guys are really just going to step up and start being the guys that are going to create the shots. I think we need to start running through harms. We kick it down to harms almost every possession. He's either going to go to town or he's going to – they're going to double him. He's going to pitch it out and we're going to get wide-open shots. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have the potential to – I don't know if we'll go quite as far in the tournament. I definitely I think, think we're, we we're tournament material. I don't think we're going to go as far. But I'd say next year we have a decent chance to go at least as far as we did last year. Because mm-hmm. really the only people we're losing are Boudreaux and uh, Proctor. Oh, yeah, we're losing Proctor but, already. I forgot because he transferred. Um, we're retroing two kids right now, Mason Gillis and Brandon Newman, who are damn good. They're damn good basketball players. Mm-hmm. And we're also bringing in Jade and Ivy and – Ethan Morton um, next year. Those are two guards. So Gillis will come in for uh, Boudreaux, and then we'll have Jaden Ivey. We'll also have Eric still, No Gel, and Isaiah Thompson, who's another the only freshman really playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, next year will be pretty good, but I think we have two games right now against Chicago State Saturday, so tomorrow, and then against Jacksonville State next Saturday. And then we play uh, VCU in a t- tournament-type deal. I forget what the what the tournament's called. Tell me about Jacksonville State real quick. Do you know much about them? They suck. <laughs> That's so does Chicago State, right? Yeah. I say that. We better not fucking we're lose gonna, to them. I anticipate us blowing them out. But then we play VCU, who's ranked. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I think winning that game will be – one of the most important games for our season because then we play Virginia the next um, game after that. After the, Vir- after the Virginia's the team we lost to last year in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's going to be a- And they're ranked ninth. Is so. that home? Yeah. Oh, my Lord, that's going to be packed. Fucking insane. Actually, I just talked to uh, the president of Pain Crew today. He said that's going to be a 24-hour lottery for the lower bowl, so it's going to be a campout game for the for lower bowl for the student section. That's going to be packed. We're going to have to go... Hours and hours early for that one. Oh, it's on a Wednesday. I could go to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'll get things together. We have enough leaders on the team that uh, we can get our shit together. I agree. We'll I mean, even fine. last year when we had Carson, we got a horrible start to the season. Yeah, we we're six and five. We got blown out by a mediocre Notre mm-hmm. Dame team. Yeah, I mean, so, I think I think we're fine. Mm, but yeah, I think we'll be all right. All right, so uh, there's people starting to come down in the basement where we're recording, so we're going to wrap this up right now. Perota, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you'll be on almost every time, except for when I'm at home recording. But uh, thanks yeah, for coming I mean, on, no, man. No, thank, thanks for having me on, Dub, and hopefully we can get some quality productions coming out here. Mm-hmm. Start pumping them out. All right, bye, everybody.